Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother Folklore, a podcast brought to you by the Headstuff Podcast Network. Um, it is a show about words, Irish Irish words and words from Ireland, and it is brought to you this evening by our host, Dara O'Shea. Hello, good evening. Falchiga Conran Ashukra. We're delighted. Um, thank you so much, Emer, for introducing us. Emer uh, is our old Irish expert, and we have two other two other motherfucker regulars who are going to join us tonight. First of all, Padro Kivonik. <laughs> Taxi for one, please. <laughs> <laughs> and Garajin McAvoy. So, presidential elections. Presidential elections. One of the, and it just struck us that um, it's, it's with, all, with all the discussions going on, and we, we do make podcasts about the Irish language, um, so many, a number of our presidents are absolute key figures in the Irish language, and we thought we'd talk about that today, just to give you an impression of the kind of people who filled the role before. So three particular, um, three particular former presidents are absolutely major figures in Irish, specifically Douglas Hyde, Eamon de Valera, and the current Michael D. Higgins. Woo! Woo! Can I just say, I had to do a quick Google search there, literally 30 seconds before we came on, and I learned that the D in Michael D. Higgins stands for Daniel. Yeah. Ah, thank you. I just, that's, like, a, that's, a common, that's a common misconception, because it actually stands for deadly. Because <laughs> we were talking about this earlier on, and I was like, it wouldn't work if he was Michael Higgins. <laughs> no, like it just it just doesn't. And I was like, I wonder, I wonder what the D stands for. Same way Jack Healy wouldn't have worked. <laughs> does it work with the real name either, though? I mean, does no, it really it work? Doesn't, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't get over the fact that Emer's all about the D. <laughs> 
<laughs> Danger is his middle name. Tell you what, if he, if he didn't use his middle name, the Saw Doctors would have been fucked. That song, has anybody heard the My- Saw Doctor song, Michael D? Michael D, Michael D up on his Michael D. It's a song oh, the Saw Doctors yes. released. How is he not using that in his campaign? Got, how does he not walk out on stage? It's a brilliant... Like, hands like up if you've heard the Saw Doctors song. Thank you. It does exist. One person has heard it before. Oh, Two. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Three, four. Maybe brilliant. More people have heard of the song than ever bought so a Saw Doctors album. Father's wife and, his bro- and all of his relatives. Yeah, sure. We believe as you. Nobody, it's amazing. It's like we've got Michael D. rocking in the doll for us. Michael D. rocking in the doll. And then the refrain is Michael D. Michael D. up in his Michael D. Michael D. Michael D. rocking the doll. Yes, it's fantastic. Google it when you go home. Don't Google it now. Don't Google it now. The phone's away now. Like, I know this can only be the Saw Doctors, but I still don't believe it. <laughs> Do you remember when you tried to have structure, Derek, and you were like, I'm going to have structure, and then we just ended up talking about Michael D and his Michael yeah. D. There is a structure. People just can't see it yet. I just had to tell people that the D in Michael D. Higgins stands Danger. Daniel. Daniel. Right. Deadly. Dogs. <laughs> Michael Dogs Higgins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Woo. That's better. That would actually work. Yeah, yeah, yeah it kind of does. That would be better than Daniel, to be fair. We it, should have a word is. with Michael D's people. <laughs> yeah. Just we'll get our people to talk to his people and yeah. see how it goes. He's completely changed the meaning of release the hands, which was used to be a bad thing. That, that now it's like, people is he going to release the like, hands? Yeah. <laughs> Are the dogs here? That's the only reason I came. Yeah. But we, as well as talking about Miggle D tonight, we're also going to talk about Duggle D and Amel D. <laughs> No, that's not you the promised, acronym you gave, Deb. You promised you wouldn't. You yeah. promised you wouldn't, Michael D, the other. You gave, I broke that promise. <laughs> you gave Devil D to Dev, and I feel like that's discrimination already. You're already setting up to, up to fail, and I'm not impressed over it. Devil D, it has negative connotations. You are biased. How dare you? <laughs> Be- imagine, imagine actually accusing someone of being biased against Damon De Valera. Like... <laughs> I mean, please, please feel free to slide into my DMs and tell me that I'm wrong about my opinions on De Valera. I fucking love that. Like, thanks. All of the lads who did but, that, like, thanks, guys. But yeah. never, we've never heard it before. It's garaging never. just to be devil's advocate, like, isn't it? <laughs> Didn't you know that De Valera was, like, such a misogynist? Yeah, I fucking know that. Like, thanks. Jesus Christ, fucking Sherlock. It's not a question. It's uh, Sorry, more of Gardine, a comment. Sorry, Gardine. I just have a comment there. It's not actually... Oh, yeah. It's, it's not a, a question. It's not really a question. It's more of a comment, actually. But just... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even going to, like, when I message you, I'm not going to be like, hi, how are you just a quick one i'm just going to be like you know pointing you're wrong and telling you that you're wrong and that you're yeah. a terrible person three minutes that. three minutes into the pod we're ripping off finn's jokes from the first <laughs> thanks thanks finn it was my joke first yeah. all right how about finn dwyer though yeah and i will i would like i would like to say to the dublin podcast festival thanks how the fuck do we follow that <laughs> Yeah, in fairness, I was on like, I was buzzing coming in, I was listening to like a bit of Britney Spears, I found like the All Out Naughties uh, playlist on Spotify, and like I was was buzzing coming in, and you were all hopping off each other at dinner and the whole lot, and then I came into this and I was like, I'm, no. (laughs) Of course, my ancestors turned to um, cannibalism and sex work as well, but that was just the 80s. (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) So yeah, presidents. (laughs) One thing, if anyone hasn't listened to the podcast, there will be an awful lot of... Oh, yeah, so, yeah, the topic we were meant to be discussing. There'll be a lot of that tonight. Yeah. Yeah, here he goes. I mean, like, I think it's more, it's more for, for podcasters in pursuit of a topic than in discussion of a topic, I think. It tends to be how we tend to roll. But, yeah, so... We get there. Presidents. We get there. Presidents. Okay. Yeah. 
So on, the first, go on, first ever Uchtaran Neheran was someone who was vital in the rejuvenation, the revival of the Irish language, Douglas de Hida, Douglas Hyde, or as he was known almost universally in Irish, on Creven Even, which was his pen name, which actually meant the lovely little branch. Miggledy mm-hmm. has a better ring to it, though, really. I know Miggledy right has a better ring to it, yeah, but yeah. to be fair, this predates Miggledy by a hundred years, yeah. you know. this. Uh, Just you saying, know, he could have been more creative, like, yeah. sorry, Duggledy. Duggledy, yeah, yeah, yeah. If only he had a precocious six-year-old to draw a picture of him <laughs> I wonder and if call this him small child, Like, I wonder if the small child knows the influence that they've had on the foremost member of our state. You renamed the first citizen, you pretentious little shit. Yeah. Like, when I was six years old, I think we were playing, we were playing Doctor Who with my friends, and I and started saying, resistance is they futile. See the, the we played, I started saying, existence is futile, existence is futile, and I didn't realise afterwards I was upsetting everybody. The joke here is that he was playing Doctor Who with his friends. <laughs> I had him. I had friends. <laughs> That's mutually exclusive, isn't it? Like, like, yeah. Oh my God, existence is futile. The most depressing Dalek in history. Dalek was my nickname. How because did we get on to this shit? We, How did we get on to existence is futile? Look, Douglas Hyde clearly leads to Doctor Who. I mean, yeah. he was obviously the first Doctor. Yeah, okay, sure, whatever. I, I think I just had an aneurysm trying to process that sorry, one. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Okay, no more Doctor Who. <laughs> sorry. Please. No more Doctor Who ever. Michael Dalek Higgins. <laughs> <laughs> so Douglas Hyde... <laughs> Douglas Hyde, Douglas Hyde, long before he became president, long before he became interested in politics, Douglas Hyde became interested in the Irish language. And I was talking to uh, some members of Conor Nguelga, because he was a founder of Conor Nguelga, the Gaelic League in the Irish Revival, and some members of Conor Nguelga are currently in New York setting up a brand new foundation called um, Fondurucht on Creven, or the Douglas Hyde Foundation, to support the work of Conor Nguelga um, with donations from America. And I was talking to one guy who's become a bit of a, a, an expert, a Hyde scholar, and he was saying just this fascinating story that Douglas Hyde was the son of the rector of French Park, County Roscommon. Anybody from Roscommon in the audience? No, they didn't get out Good. today. Fucking tumbleweed! Good. Whoa. The bouncers are working. Like you can... <laughs> There's nearly 200 people here, literally nobody from Roscommon. Oh my God, Jesus Christ. Anyway, no like it's a bad thing. Like. No one is, yeah, no is willing to admit to it. But um, anyway, the thing is, Doside, as the eldest son of a rector, was going to be sent to private school, private boarding school. And uh, he was a sickly child. He was quite ill when he was, when he was younger. So they held him at home. They effectively homeschooled him. And he picked up his father's love of the Irish language. His father, not unusually for a Protestant clergyman at the time, had a big, big passion for the Roscommon dialect of Irish. And Douglas Hyde was one of the last native speakers of Roscommon Irish. And there's a fantastic story about when young Douglas was out with his dad. His dad was walking the, the parish and there was a beggar on the street. And he, he said... He said, will you give me uh, some alms? I, I'm a Protestant. And uh, the senior, Reverend Hyde, he turned around and he said, well, can you name any of our sacraments? And I was like, um, no. <laughs> but your man gave him the, the few pounds anyway, and, or the few shillings, few pence, whatever it was. And Hyde actually wrote about this in his diary, and it's one of the key insights as to how he got his love of the Irish, he inherited it from his dad, and it was a lifelong passion right through his whole life. He went by Douglas de Hida uh, as much as he could, and on Creven even, and right the way through into his presidency, he carried out work for Cunard Gaelga, for the Gaelic League, on behalf of the Irish language. So definitely a president that has an awful lot to do, and an awful lot of responsibility when it comes to the rejuvenation, the revival of, of the Irish language. 
he even wrote a paper about the de-anglicisation of mm. Ireland and that how, I suppose, in his early work in Gunnar Gelga, that he wanted to talk about how we needed to reverse the trend to mimic England in, in trends and in, in, in clothes and fashion and even in aspects of the law. But then, um, so that, that, that went on. But so when he, in some ways, he was an unlikely choice for first president, but the, it was decided, De Valera and the op, other opposition leaders at the time decided that they wanted, because nobody had been president before, it was important that they had somebody who would have the, would have natural respect in Ireland and abroad, but also um, somebody who would, would, would bring the office a certain amount of stature, but who wouldn't necessarily interfere with the work of the government. And while he had the, he had the, he had the permission to refer um, refer laws to the Supreme Court, he only did it twice. And he was it was unique in his position because he was one of the first proponents of kind of vocal proponents of like that Irish doesn't belong to any particular group, be they you know Catholics, Protestants, Unionists, Nationalists, because he himself was a Protestant, and he was very um, open about saying that the, the, the Irish belongs to anybody who is willing to like take it on as their own. Um, and that 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 idea is not necessarily new; it doesn't catch you know favor in a lot of parts of Ireland, but it, it's quite an old argument. Um, and you know he was he was pretty influential in in the field of, of reviving reviving the Irish language. Revivaling. Revi- yeah. He revived reviving. the shit out of the language. <laughs> uh, yeah, and how how. Was um, he was kind of he had an embarrassing political career because he was um, he was he won a, a Shannon seat in the first Free State Shannon in 1924 in a by-election uh, and he held that seat until the election of 1925 came along and then he embarrassingly lost it despite being one of the most high-profile members of the Shannon at the time. Uh, so one of the reasons he was chosen in 1937 to be Uktaran was you know kind of to let him save face because Dev as a proud member of Conrad Aguilga. And, and you know, uh, I think we'll talk about later. Yeah. Dev was a. Uh, um, see this guy. We don't. We planned nothing. <laughs> we planned everything. Yeah, everything. Um, Dev was a proud member of Conor Gaelic, and he wanted to give Hyde the chance to restore a bit of uh, a bit of his pride, a bit of his dignity. So he was appointed. Yet yeah, not only because he would rock the boat or wouldn't rock the boat, rather, but uh, but also because he was just a respected, learned elder. Everybody had heard of him, and uh, yeah. Um, my favourite story about Douglas Hyde is he was one of the original patrons of the GAA. He helped to set up the GAA. He gave it credibility, and then he was fucked out of the GAA because when he was president, he attended a soccer match. <laughs> It's true. It's true. It's 100%. It's yeah, he attended Ireland versus Poland in 1939, or 1938, I think it was. And uh, yeah, they kicked him right out of the GAA. <laughs> the GAA, Last. a great bunch of lads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, I suppose there, there, have been a bunch of, uh, there have been a bunch of lads who have been waiting for Douglas Hyde to slip up, and they were called the Catholic Truth Society. I'm not sure if they're still around. I think, I think they are. I'm pretty sure they said it right. I feel like if they didn't exist after a while, they certainly exist now again. <laughs> <laughs> the Catholic Truth Society are like the shit Illuminati. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. But They're that one lad that pops into your mentions every so often. <laughs> but they, uh, they're actually are. based in London. And uh, there's, there's a lot of thought that, like, the reason he lost the Shannon election in 1925 was the Catholic Truth Society actively lobbied against him. So you had this very, very strange situation where you had a foreign-based body interfering in the sovereign elections. Oh, fuck, that's not that strange at all, is it? <laughs> where have we seen that? Uh, but, yeah, you had this weird situation where you had a, a, an English-based society 
arguing against an, an Irishman, like arguably the most Irish Irishman, he bled Gaelga, yeah. uh, and yet it was like, it, they were just, and, and at the time in 1925, all you had to do was go, yeah, like, he's a prod though. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the size of his moustache. <laughs> But yeah, the, but the Catholic Truth Society, for people who um, are interested in design and illustration, there was a, a book recently released about six or seven years ago called Vintage Virtues. And one of the things they did on their little pamphlets that they would sell is they made them look like thrillers. They had these very kind of um, exciting looking covers that made it look like it was a story full of explosions and, and robberies and, and drama and sex. But the actual content of these of little booklets was all prayer stuff. It's kind of like the liberal.ie. <laughs> <laughs> and I can say that because me and Leo have had our falling out in the past. Um, but yeah, it's it's very similar. Somewhat. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're gonna leave you there because the defamation suit can just stick with you then. <laughs> it's, fine. it's fine. It's fine. He has my phone number. So president. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows what Douglas means? Oh, you didn't think you had to study. Well, yeah. well. I have a... Oh, that's a very excited hand. I have a talk from an all badge up, for Hang the on, winner. Shut up, Derek. Hang on, talking, all right? A dark green yes. There we go. Good woman. We've got a, we've got a Bronteness for you. Come up and collect your prize. I'll get you the badge in a minute. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so yeah, Douglas Tejido meant dark green um, height. And I mean, dark green takes us on to our next present, which is Eamon de Valera. How does... Sorry, excuse me. How does dark green take us on to Eamon de Valera? Just accept the segue and move Everything on. Everything anyone says about us, I'm just immediately suspicious. Like, what are you trying to say about Deb? Okay, what are you trying to say about okay. it? Listen. Independent thought alarm. <laughs> Independent thought alarm. <laughs> the only thing Dev did wrong was he didn't die. <laughs> Michael Collins. I mean, eventually he did. Like. Eventually he did. <laughs> well, you think that. <laughs> he's, like, actually, he's, he's actually behind the Catholic Church Society. <laughs> Shit Illuminati. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with people have. I, I, look, I the person who slid into my DMs the other day and was like, well, you don't have an appropriate opinion about Dev. Like, you don't know my opinion about Dev yet. Like, wait till I give it before you critique it. Um, but also, you know, don't slide into my DMs doing that either. Um, but my problem with people having a problem with Dev is I just don't think they give him... I mean, I know he's a bit of an arsehole and, like, we probably wouldn't have got on because he's a notorious misogynist. Had no time for women being outside of the home. Um, but my issue is that people just paint him as this villain. And I do... Genuinely, I do think it's Neil Jordan's fault. Yeah. Because he made that movie, Michael Collins, and he was like, oh, we've got a good guy that's... Collins, you know, because Liam Neeson is class. And then we'll just get Alan Rickman, notorious bad guy, to play <laughs> De Valera. And then you have this narrative of, like, good guy versus bad guy with no evidence to back it up that De Valera was anyway responsible for the death. What was his name? What's that fella from Kerry? His name? Cork? The fella who shot Killian him? Jonathan Murphy. Rees-Myers. Killian Murphy. No, Jonathan Rees-Myers. Yeah. <laughs> no, not Killian Some, Murphy. I don't know who shot Michael Collins. It was, like, a baby Jonathan Rees-Myers. It was a baby like, Jonathan Rees-Myers. Shot him, but, yeah. like, in no way backed up, in fact, at all. Like, I'm not having any of that. In fact, Jonathan Reese Myers wasn't even born until <laughs> yeah. many years after 1920. <laughs> I, was, I was driving through West Cork there a little while ago, and I have this and sign And you up. shot Collins. I shot Collins, yeah. <laughs> they have this sign up. They have this sign up, like, down near Belnam Law, and it says ambush site. Oh, they do? This way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, come on now, Collins. You saw the fucking sign. You drove into that with your eyes open. You knew what was happening. 
<laughs> yeah, that's my issue. My problem is that Devilair is treated like this. And if you've, if anyone's ever gone to the tour in Glasnevin Cemetery, which is like a fascinating tour for a graveyard, like it's really good. It's brilliant. Like it's I would brilliant. totally recommend it. So Collins is buried right beside the kind of visitor center. He's got a big grave and it's perpetually covered in flowers. And the like people who work there will tell you that on Valentine's Day, Dev or Collins gets like a shit ton of flowers, like because yeah. he was, you know, he was a right, like let's be real. Um, <laughs> But um, Dev, Dev don't get no flowers. <laughs> but this is it. Dev doesn't get flowers, and he's got a small grave because his son had died um, much early in, in, I think, 1938, and he was wanted to be buried in the same conditions as his son. He didn't see himself as better than that. But the people who work there will tell you that people pass by Devalier's grave and spit on it. I just think that that is just so wrong. I think he's so hard done by. Yes, he was an arsehole to women like he really doesn't agree with a lot of my politics and he brought the V into Irish and those of you who listen to the sh- yes I know go I know on, go on <laughs> thanks Claire um, but I I just think he's so hard done by and it's undeserved because he did do great things for the Irish language I feel a bit of a kindred spirit with Dev because he wasn't a native speaker he wasn't born speaking Irish he wasn't born to a family who spoke it and he learned it because he felt his culture was taken away from him so I, I'm come com from Leash which is the most you know, we don't have a Grail Saxon leash. It is the first county to have been planted. Um, so we don't really have much Irish culture there. So I do feel that when I was growing up, like my Irish culture wasn't, there wasn't really much of a traditional Irish culture. And I feel a connection. Dev's my boy, like, you know. Like. <laughs> Just a question, do you have much of any culture in leash? <laughs> oh, we do, yeah. Cans in a field, yeah. <laughs> But um, I just think that, you know, he did so much. He, he wrote a pretty, pretty good constitution. I'm a big fan. We've mentioned it on the show before. There's a few bits in it that are a bit hairy. But, you know, it relatively, as constitution it, it just needs a haircut. It's just, it needs a little bit of a spell check here and there, a few bits taken out. It'll be great. We'll have it eventually. We'll get it there eventually. But I do think that he wrote a pretty damn good constitution. And, you know, he, he included Irish in it and, and at the forefront. And I think people give him a hard time. So fight me, effectively, is what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> Guardian was very eloquent there, but all I really got was Michael Collins get flowers on Valentine's Day. He does, though. He fucking does. Like, it's mad. Like, who buys him flowers? But, like, who buys me? No one. Look, did you you save Ireland and get a movie made about you? No, Emer. What are you doing with your life? Bitch, I might have done. (laughs) All right. (laughs) What I I love most about taking that tour, and it is a fascinating tour. If nobody's ever taken the tour of the Graveyard in Glasgow, do it. It's amazing. Glasgow's family is incredible. But, like, he didn't really get a lot of flowers until Neil Jordan made that fucking film yeah right yeah. but like <laughs> people think that's Liam Neeson's grave young Liam Neeson like <laughs> so hot though like there's so a pub in Cork horses it's recognize him he's wonderful <laughs> he's wonderful there's a pub in Cork I think it's the Albert Plunkett and they have this like the, as you go up the stairs it's just a massive picture of like Michael Collins in his like army getup and oh girl let me tell you like so <laughs> hot like like I'd send him flowers even though he's like you know he's dead like spoiler but, like, yeah I'd send him flowers Nobody yeah, wants to hear that. about your dead boyfriend. <laughs> there Look. is a word for that. There is a word for that. <laughs> it's like we, we, we see you on, on February the 15th. It's like, Garajin, where were you? It's like, nowhere. Wait, yeah. do you come from the Sorry, grass? Sorry, I'm busy direction? on Valentine's Day. I got a date. Yeah, I, to- I totally have a boyfriend. He's just, he's, he's from Cork and dead. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the things... I about- met him on holidays. You wouldn't know him. <laughs> One of the things about the Michael Collins film, and which was made in the 90s, was that um, 
Alan Rickman was basing his character of the 29-year-old dev on the 72-year-old dev that he saw on RTE footage. And so he probably wasn't quite like that. He probably didn't walk. It's probably a bit of crack. I mean, unless you're a woman, yeah. like, he's probably great crack. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you know. otherwise, you know, back to the kitchen, which you go on Countess Markovich, and you go, so, but, like, you know, <laughs> great crack. Like, <laughs> Did he really snake out of prison by making a fake key out of candle wax from being altar boy in the I prison? don't know, but I feel like there's a lot of historical inaccuracies in that movie for the sake of a good, good it's a great movie, but, like, don't base your opinions on death off of it, like... Just don't. Yeah, like the, the amount of people who genuinely think that, like, the Tans drove an armored car into Coke Park and started gunning down. What? They didn't want. Like, I mean, okay, it's pretty fucking heinous that they put a sniper up on top of one of the stands yeah. and started killing people. That's bad enough. Like, why do you have to Hollywood it up? Yeah. And then let Sever Snape fucking um, <laughs> criticize fucking Qui Gon Jinn over getting the treaty. See, I was doing my Leaving Star history around the time the film came out, and I remember at the time the, that, that some of the British papers are saying, oh, this film is so inaccurate. It says that, you know, the British troops opened fire with, the, with this kind of gun, whereas actually it was a slightly different kind of gun. <laughs> I'm nodding along, but I haven't seen the film, so I'm what? just like... I'm sorry. Right, I, have, I know. She I know. also said earlier that she doesn't like old men singing in pubs. Like, do you, like give back your passport, like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm going to be the next person gunned down here, right? <laughs> do you want to take a trip to West Cork? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, look, I'm only blind in my left eye. It's fine. I can see my right eye. But yeah, yeah, and Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman was fantastic. The late, great Alan Rickman. He was absolutely brilliant. He, it was a powerhouse sort of force, but he was just playing the wrong character. He yeah. was doing, and he was doing this thing that Alan Rickman does where he never lets his lips touch his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Michael! I think he hurt me more in Love Actually than he'll ever hurt me in a film again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, the necklace in the I think, in the I think we all know yeah. that a CD is a terrible Christmas present for your wife. Yeah, you know, particularly if you're cheating on her like, and Joni Mitchell like Jesus Christ cheer up yeah. like <laughs> is there a scale like if you're I mean yeah, I'm, no, I'm, if you're cheating on her you gotta get her the jewellery that he right. got for the other one see I'm not cheating on my wife can I get her a CD or not I mean you know, do you I feel like a CD is quite rented as well <laughs> you know, it's 2018 man get her okay, a, I don't know. Get her a yeah. blu-ray gotcha yeah. <laughs> of love actually <laughs> And, like, the question is, do you want to be married still afterwards, or are you just... Fuck, we got a mortgage. She can't go anywhere. <laughs> I'm not cheating on my wife. That's the notorious phrase of somebody who's cheating on their wife. Watch it now, Emma. I'm telling you now. Sorry, you yeah, mentioned sorry. defamation suits? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I know nothing about this. So, among, among us... So <laughs> Among his other many political civic achievements, uh, Emma de Valera also uh, was res- what supervised the introduction to a couple of modern letters to the Irish language to facilitate the... Enter uh, Claire. Uh, yeah. Here we the, go. The, 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 the procurement, the government procurement of cheaper typewriters. Instead of having bespoke 18-letter typewriters, they were able to buy cheap 26-letter typewriters. Yeah. I feel like, okay, uh, we all know my feelings on the letter V. I have, I have strong feelings on it. Um, for those of you who don't listen to the podcast, you're like, what the fu- who's got strong feelings on the letter V? I do, actually. <laughs> um, but I'm like, obviously, Dev had a little bit of a vested interest in hanging on to the V. So I can understand it in theory, in fact, just 
I don't know, just stop trying to include it in our fucking language, Ted. We are, we are two years talking about this shit yes. now at this stage. Still haven't let it go. The, 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 the Roman alphabet was used in the Irish language before the Gaelic alphabet don't was. Care. Don't you care. don't care. You don't care. Okay. Don't care. I, I care nothing for your facts. I just know what I feel. <laughs> I feel ways about letters and you won't change my opinion on that. <clears throat> so if anyone what? wants to slide into Gardine's DMs and tell her about V's. No one's actually Potter is sliding into Gerardine's DMs. No, he just you. assaults me on the street with, as you, as with information speak, as about it. Yeah, that fucking defamation. <laughs> Sorry, he's now. I would like to say on behalf of Mother Folklore that Pather has never assaulted me on the street. I apologize for making any such suggestion. The yeah. so presidents, though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Also, Derek, my apologies for shouting you to shut up earlier on. Fair, okay. sure. It's it's, 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 like, it's all in good fun. It's not the first time I've done that either, <laughs> but I'm only apologizing for once. <laughs> also, I. I'd like to apologise for nothing. <laughs> so, obviously, this. <laughs> so, presidents. Yeah, 2018 is unusual in that we are seeing for the second time in Irish history a president seeking re election by popular vote. The last time this happened it was obviously Eamon de Valera. But while this is all happening, a young Irishman was, a, <clears throat> was protesting civil rights as a university student in America and West Virginia. And his name was Michael D. Higgins. Michael Daniel Higgins, I believe it is actually. Danger. Daniel. <laughs> Sorry. And yeah. when he, he was, grew up... He was woke AF. Even back then. Was he still woke AF? Mm-hmm. Maybe. It's, <laughs> and Michael D. appears to be part of a, a wider trend of, of kind of old, old lefty firebrands like Jeremy Corbyn and Bernie Sanders who are connect better with young people than people maybe five or ten years older than them, yeah. as politicians do. Yeah, he's he's the oldest one running, and I mean, he's I think he's polling the best among twenty-one to thirty-five year olds, which is interesting. But like, he's got lovely dogs, though. It's that it's that it's that generational gap. Like my my day job is I work with older people, and a couple of years ago we started a project with Google, and it was trying to get older people online. So they were saying to adult children, "Why don't you work with your parents and try and work with them on computers?" And the the fact is, we all hate our parents. <laughs> All of us, somewhere deep down, if not hate, at least strongly resent uh, our parents. So the project was an unmitigated failure. So we went back to the drawing board and tried to get grandkids to work with their grandparents. And that was a massive success because when you put in that generational divide, people connect and it's absolutely fantastic. So projects between older people and younger people are fantastic. And that's why Michael D is an icon to a younger generation. But when you talk to people in their 50s and 60s, for some reason, they think like Sean Gallagher, Gavin Duffy could do a good job. <laughs> the, Seriously. The, the main argument is, you know, it's like, oh, Michael, he's very he's a bit old, isn't he? God, he's a bit old. Like, Dev was what, like fucking 300? Dev. <laughs> he, he was, was still, 90. He was, he was 90 was, during he was, his second resigned. term. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was Dev, 90. And blind. And Douglas Hyde was also fairly old when he, he became elected. And like, those well. lads went through time when they were like, you know, Indoor plumbing, not a thing for like a significant portion of their life. Like, Mike Mingle had it for a little while, but I'm assuming. You know, he lived in some sort of poverty in Clare when he was younger. Mm. But I mean, you know, he's had, for a significant amount of his life, he's had like, I don't know, vaccinations and shit, like, you know. So, I mean, he'll, he'll get through it. Like, welcome back thing. to Mother Folklore, a comparative study on the effects of indoor plumbing on the habitual life expectancies of presidents. <laughs> The one thing I always think of when I look at Michael D is you just know that if you shook his hand, he'd like be slipping you a fiver for sweets in the shop. <laughs> like it's, it's there. It's there. 
and he's like, be good now and don't tell your mother about this. <laughs> and like, it's, it's in your hand and you can't do anything and you're like, oh, that's, what am I supposed to do with this money? And then it's just in your pocket and you're, you know, you're buying jelly laces. And this has been around. the campaign from Michael D. Higgins. <laughs> yeah. <for> <laughs> Don't tell your mother. In the shop. <laughs> don't tell your mother. Yes, indeed. Fiver. <laughs> yeah. Go buy some sweeties. <laughs> yeah, that's the extra fiver in the budget is purely for sweets in the shop. Derek, bring it back there to, uh, yeah. to Irish so it doesn't sound like we're doing a political broadcast. Go for no, it. We're not doing a very political podcast. <laughs> Before I become like Minister for Finance or something. Um, no. <laughs> I mean, but... Yeah, I was, I was yeah, you were talking yeah. about the re-election. I was going to have, and yeah. so yeah, yeah. it's it's very unusual, and the, the constraints of the office mean that it's quite hard, it's fairly hard for a, a politician to campaign for re-election because of. And typically, the, we've I know um, Paddy Hillary and Mary McAleese are both elected were re-elected unopposed, mm-hmm. um, possibly because the large parties didn't want to blow their uh, war war funds, uh, their election war funds on a presidential election when they wanted to spend it on a general election instead. But the makeup of politics is different now. But anyway, the Michael D was a before he was um, president. He was a minister for the communications and the Gaeltacht in the 1990s. And during that time, TG Cahar happened. But first of all, it was called Tina G. Telefish Magoilga. <laughs> Which I mean, I'm just, like my dad still to this day calls it Tina G. I'm like, Dad, it's not been I Tina G. I just realised I still call it Tina G. Yeah, like you weren't even alive when it was uh, Tina G. Like, I'm like 23 years old and I still yeah. call it Tina G. I don't it even I don't watch it, it, but yeah. I still call it yeah. Tina G. Yeah. And because it came out just after a singer called Gina G had been representing the United <laughs> Kingdom in the Eurovision. And what was the name of the song? Ooh, uh, just, just a little, a little bit. bit. <laughs> Is that Welcome to Motherfucker, a comparative study on <laughs> European song entries of the UK in the 1990s. The, the cheek of them to try and run against us in the mid-90s when we had a complete domination. Like, we've seen, Why even turn up? Like, we owned that song contest until Katrina and the fucking waves came along. This is the fucking yeah. podcast I've been waiting for, guys. <laughs> Let me and shine! They, <laughs> and they weren't even from the UK, they were Canadian. The Canadian. Not a Canadian, Canadian. Canadian. <laughs> Just so we can, yeah, because I remember I was explaining to a friend that Jim Carrey was a Canadian comedian. And, <laughs> and yes, and apparently, there's a, apparently there's a letter D. I don't know. Never met <laughs> yeah. Oh, Somewhere there, yeah. yeah. There's no J in Grailga, but there's one in every word you've just said. So it seems. But the creation of Tina G, Patter. Tina G, as it was, was a, a watershed moment uh, in Irish politics. He was the... Michael D was the first ever Minister for Arts, Culture, Heritage and the Gaeltacht. And he saw an awful lot of regional theatres built, which was a big achievement. But the crowning glory was Tina G, which uh, celebrated 20 years there two years ago with a fantastic multi-location, multimedia concert. And I think TG Carr, as it's now known, has just continued to punch well above its weight over the uh, the, the last um, 20 years. It's been absolutely incredible. The documentaries have been amazing, but what has really stood out has been the dating shows. <laughs> this is right. In fact, and we're glad you're all here because as part of an intervention, Patter has a sexy confession to make. <laughs> There is nothing sexy about the fact that, yes, yes, indeed, I was on Passion Fashion. But, but, and I promise, I promise I will share all the dirt with you, but we need to do a comparative study 
on dating shows on Tina G. No, hang on a second. Can I just ask? So you're married. Are you married to who you met off Passion Passion? <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Poor no, woman. No, that no, poor no. woman. No, 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 right. no. No, 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 no. He so, actually so met his current wife on Puck the Ride. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just addicted to these dating yeah. um, Has anybody seen Puck the Ride, by the way? Puck the Ride, for anybody who hasn't seen it, is a dating show where you choose your potential partner based on how cool their car is. <laughs> and, then, and then in an amazing twist, and this is absolutely fantastic, this is genius, in an amazing twist, at the very end, when you're told, right, she's chosen you, and you're standing there beside your car, and I go, oh, that's brilliant, I got picked, brilliant, brilliant. Now you have a choice. You can have 200 quid to go on a date with her. <laughs> Or you can have a 200 euro voucher to service your car. (laughs) (laughs) And seriously, go on to YouTube and look for the one where he picked the service. Yeah. Just the look on the poor girl's face. That you think it would be. It's It's amazing. And more. Yeah, I'm going to take that service instead. And they're dressed like the Stig, like they don't have a. a, Yeah, Yeah, yeah. they have to wear the the helmet. Take the helmet off, and then there's this big reveal, and she's like, oh, yeah. yeah." Not bad. I picked him, yeah. And then he's like, no, but I'll take the service, actually. No, the wheels, (laughs) I need the back spoiler done, actually. I need a new set of tyres, like, you know. (laughs) Mad for road. For doing donuts in the industrial state. Yeah, but anyway, so Pip the Ride is the latest in a long, long line of T.G. Carrot dating shows that started in the late 90s, early 2000s with the utterly brilliant, unparalleled, and really should be revived, Clownus. Ah, yes. Has anybody heard of Clownus? Clownus predates to so many young people in the audience. Now, Clownus was an amazing dating show where your partner was chosen, not by you, but by your mother. <laughs> Like, I would a few watch. people, like, really, like, nodded along there. So, I'm like, yes. so your mother, your mother would go along, if you were the, the lucky, lucky <laughs> contestant, <laughs> your mother would go along and inspect three potential paramours' bedrooms for their cleanliness yeah, and their living habits. And then she would interview these three potential paramours, and then she would choose one for you, and you'd be sent on a date. And then the best bit of the whole thing is, the cameras would follow you on the date, and your ma would watch. So there'd be picture in picture of your L1 going, he's ordered the red. He's going to spill it on his shirt. Like, it's just, it's awful. It's a brilliant dating show. I would watch the shit out of that. I would watch a gay version of that. I would watch an Indian version of that. I would watch, I would binge that to the hilt. Like, that would be so good. Oh, I think you'd have those mams who are like, no one's good enough for my John, you know? And like going through, like, yeah, that'd be unreal. Like you'd have like, we were talking earlier about like, some of you may have saw the Sally Field tweeted about her son during the Winter Olympics asking Adam Rippon, the figure skater, on a date with her son because she was like, oh, he's very attractive. Yes, he'd like my son. Like, there'd be a mom like that on it. She'd be like, oh, yeah, no, we, we want an Olympian, actually. Are you an Olympian? No, not good enough. Next. Like, that'd be unbelievable. I would watch the shit out of that. That's the mam Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I just, like, give my mom, I thought, like, download Tinder. Like, I don't have Tinder already. Um, and just, like, give my ma Tinder on my phone. Don't and be, do like, that to here. Phil. She doesn't need those dick pics. No, Swipe no. away, <laughs> Phil. Swipe away. <laughs> I'm, I'm, and then I'd make a TV show out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, a, I'm too old for Tinder. I don't, I met well, my... And you're also fucking married. Like, yeah, well, no, that is well, well, the thing is, right? <laughs> like, there's a few minor There are loads of people here. who are married who met their partner on Tinder. What I'm trying to say is, like, I'm, I'm, I'm with my wife so long. When we started going out, internet dating was just for weirdos. I mean, still I mean, it's is. still it's for weirdos. weirdos. But, still is. But there's some of the general populace mixed in with them as well. Who's here on a Tinder date? 
Liars. Out of my good eye. I did actually, out of my good eye. Uh, I did actually see some like young fella there and he proper like popped the arm around and I kind of wanted to call him out in it and I'm not even going to say where he is in the crowd because I don't want to embarrass them. Yeah, we but saw, I was yeah. like, that was real smooth. Fair play. Just, yeah, just bear in mind as well, like this is not a visual medium. <laughs> People will listen. So she did the, the, the arm around yeah. thing. It was a real cash yawn. Ooh, so, yeah, your man over there in the shirt with the thing. Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. him. Yeah. Anyway, so hey. presents, no, dating shows. Where are we? Gigi Carr. Where are we? What are we? Where are we? <laughs> we were just finished with Clownus, which is just a brilliant idea and should really come yes. back. Yes. Except I definitely couldn't do it. I definitely couldn't do it. Like, not do only it. because I'm married, but also because my mother hates me. <laughs> that, that'd be the show I'd want to watch as well. Like, I mean, that side of it as well. Like, oh, oh, he's an arsehole. Like, yeah. you know, he deserves yeah. nothing. He deserves nothing. Just love, like, fucking take him. <laughs> just take him. Just, I don't want to see him again. Just did he, take. Did him. he tell you about the sweating problem? Did he tell you about that? Did he? Yeah. yeah no, you wouldn't like him actually. You know, you're better off. Get out when he still can't. I would watch that. All right. In my defence, it's quite the spotlights are quite warm. The lights this are hot. Not, <laughs> this is not a habitual problem. <laughs> Welcome to motherfucker. <laughs> a comparative study on the habitual sweating habits of several podcasters. Um, yeah, so I would, I would definitely watch that. It'd be brilliant. But yeah, Passion Fashion. So if anybody hasn't seen Passion Fashion, Passion Fashion was a show where three, and generally it was three men trying to mm-hmm. uh, date a, a girl. Uh, and the three men would not be seen by this girl. They, she would never see them. But they would see a videotape of her and she would give them a few clues as to what to do and what her style was. And then they would each go out and buy an outfit for her. And she would go on a date with the one who picked the outfit she liked the best. And the punchline was that straight boys don't know much about women's clothes. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So when I did Passion Fashion, um, I will be up front here and just say, and I'm sorry to break people's hearts here, it's all a fucking sham and I did it for the money. (gasps) No! You got got paid! You lied! I'm sorry... I embarrassed myself on national television. Of course I got paid. Oh, the magic's ruined. And even oh. worse, I had to spend two days in NACE. So of oh, yeah. course oh. I got paid. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, right. fair enough. Sure, yeah. Anybody here from NACE? Well, of I'm course. Sorry. They weren't allowed out either. Because NACE is the Irish for sex. No, no Gnace is the Irish uh, like, He tried to tell me two hours ago that he doesn't tell dad, dad jokes. Like, are you fucking for real? <laughs> he sat there and he told us to our faces that he doesn't do dad jokes. <laughs> And proceeds to sit here for an hour, like just reeling off dad jokes at you. Anyway, nice. Yeah. Mother fuck po- is comparative study of blatant liars. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, podcast dad. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. More like father fuck am I right? Oh, hey, hey. Hey. Good night. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, presidents. Um, <laughs> When, when, so I got the, got the call, can you, can you come on Passion Fashion? I was like, no way! Sorry, you no, like, got the call from who? Like, who, who was like, oh, you know, Michael D. <laughs> from Michael D, yeah. Michael Higgins. Oh, yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Can you go on a Passion Fashion? <laughs> we need you. The Irish language needs you. <laughs> Awaken your Gaelic spirit. <laughs> and go and buy clothes. I'll give you a For a young one. <laughs> you must, you must go to Nace. Take up the sacred torch and go to Nace. So, you know, well, look, when the Minister for Arts, Culture, Heritage and the Graphics calls, you don't refuse. You don't refuse. So I took up the sacred torch and I went to Nace. No, they're going to pay me. They're going to pay me 200 euros. I was like, yes, yeah, sweet. I was a student. It's the fucking best thing ever, 200 euros. That's like, 
one night's drinking. That's incredible. <laughs> so yeah, so I said I'd do it. And look, there's, we tell jokes all the time about how the Irish language is, is small. You know, it's, it's quite, you know, it's small. And there's not, you know, there's not a lot of people who speak Irish. We all sort of know each so other. So it was Pather's cousin who was on the tape, perfect. Not quite. <laughs> Almost. Oh, not quite. Okay, I was joking, but all right. <laughs> so the three of us, three lads from different parts of the country, we get into... Uh, the Osprey Hotel Time Nightclub in Nice. Oh, I've been to Time. Yeah, it's okay. You must go take the secret. Go to Time, <laughs> the largest na- nightclub in Kildare. You must go there. So I went there. I went there, and uh, they sit this laptop down and they say, "Listen, lads, we're going to be realistic here, right? You may know the girl on the tape. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretend you do not know the girl on the tape." So they played the tape. And this very lovely young woman started talking about her style and how she was from a certain place in, in West Dublin and she was a big fan of retro vintage style. And I'm looking at this going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they immediately come up to you, they put the camera in your face, what do you think? Oh, yeah, she's gorgeous, yeah. Those are great hints, yeah, that'd be fantastic. And then they go, all right, cut. And I go, that's my ex-girlfriend, you bastard. No! No! <laughs> we went out when I was 14. <laughs> No. She was 15. Oh, oh yeah. shit. Because I had mad game. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so it was my ex-girlfriend. And we had to pretend not to. I had to pretend not to know her. The now, sham. Oh, the lies. And the oh. other thing, listen, it's so full of lies. It's so full of lies. I'm actually, like, I'm, so I'm genuinely in shock Rip here. It. This is fucking great. It's so full of lies. Because the other thing is the three of us, the three of us who were there, um, we're all students. And they were like, lads, listen, we've just done six episodes in a row with fucking students, so we can't have more students. You have to pretend to be something that's not students. (laughs) What was the last job you got paid for? So um, I said, well, I was just in in a commercial uh, for Shockton and Gaelga. So myself and a few of the other people from the Irish Language Society in college, we were in a commercial in an ad that was screened on television. So I said, right, you're an actor. Fucking right I am. <laughs> so for the next three hours, every single sentence I uttered began with, well, as an actor. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and then, then they asked this other guy who's sitting next to me, um, uh, Sean, and I said, what was the last job you got paid for? He said, uh, well, I just got back from Buenos Aires where I was teaching English to homeless street kids. They oh, went, uh, yeah. Muntor Berla, English teacher, that's grand, next. Uh, and then they went to um, Seamus, and Seamus said, uh, um, you know, I, I sell shoes part-time in Brown Thomas. And they were like, okay, we'll put you down as a shoe salesman. He goes, no, 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 don't, 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 don't do that. Put me down as a fashion consultant. <laughs> <laughs> On passion fashion. <laughs> yeah. So they did. So, <laughs> so we had me fucking around for three hours. Like, as an actor, um, I would like a glass of water, thank you. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then, of course, we had to go and buy these horrendous clothes because, like, Nace is a kip. <laughs> so we each got a different shop to go to in Nace, and we had to buy it. And because it was, like, a small boutique Irish show, we had to find small boutique Irish bo- boutiques. There's no Dunn stores. Like, no, no chains. Them. No Dunn's. No nothing. So we had to buy clothes. So I bought a top and jeans and a belt cause, and a bag because fucking accessorize, yo. Yes, God. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you should have bought the jeans with pockets, but we'll get into that. Of course later. I bought the jeans with pockets. Yeah. yeah. Woke AF. Lady pockets, though. It's not you, Pather. It's the patriarchy. But we were at the time about the pocket situation. 
I was not aware at the time about the pocket situation. Try running like realize. ham fists and like fitting anything into yeah. ladies' pockets. Yeah. Like my I, party trick is that I have bigger hands than everyone else. <laughs> I did not realise, I did not realise that like pockets were a so patriarchal conspiracy. you bought a bag you're anyway, a anyway, 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 yes. You bought a bag. Presents. I bought a bag. Yeah. I bought a bag. Yeah, I bought a bag. Because um, <laughs> accessorised, yo. Yeah. Um, the bag had shiny bits on it. Oh, she loves that. Yeah. Listen, women be loving shiny things. Me too. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, I didn't win, obviously. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the best part of it was uh, when the girl came out wearing the outfit that she chose, and then she had to look at the three of us, and then she saw me, <laughs> and she did a double take, <laughs> and she was like, and you could just see her lips moving slightly, going, I hope it wasn't fucking his. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I hope I didn't pick his. Mm-hmm. How small is this fucking community? Because I should I should imagine she dumped my ass. Ouch. Oh. What I know. did you do? Probably deserved it, though, to be fair. Like. No, I did not deserve it. I was the innocent. Sure. That defamation. Fucking sure. That yeah. defamation suit is getting stronger and stronger <laughs> as it goes. Um, so, yeah, passion, fashion, an amazing, amazing... Uh, Who did win? Was it the show. fashion consultant? Yeah, it was. <laughs> They married. Listen, he bought us. No, he's actually gay. Like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) this just gets better and better. (laughs) He bought he bought a skirt that had a pattern of a house on it. It was there was no pockets on what he bought. Quirky though, it was quirky. I'll give him that. It was quirky. He bought her a skirt and a cardigan. She basically looked like his mother. And I think he was okay with that. Yeah, okay. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then the best thing was like at the end, as the credits roll, they do this little VT where they say like, "So, what did you think of the date? What do you think?" and all that. And of course, like it's all spoof. Like they're never going to see each other again. And so the girl, she goes like, "Oh yeah, listen, I had a great time. He's a wonderful guy. He's a really nice guy. But if I see him again, it'd probably only be as friends." It's like one of those heartbreaking bits on first dates mm, where yeah. you go like, "Oh no, but you're perfect together. Why are you doing that?" <laughs> and then of course. Uh, Seamus just handed up. He was like, I really like her. I really like her. I've got, a, I've got a cousin's wedding next month and I think I'm gonna ask her to be my date. So the, guy, yeah, listen. the guy is gay. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, maybe he has Classic, a whole family. you though. go first, Jarchie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you go first. Um, but yeah, look, absolutely fantastic. Passion fashion, arguably the greatest thing T.G. Cahar has given the world. And, and the reason I pay my license fee. The to, best to this thing stage. Michael G. Higgins has given the world. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah, that no, story on. from Patter? Sorry, bro, then show it there. The best thing Michael yeah, yeah, Higgins has given the dogs. The dogs. Yeah. And then Michael Dogs Higgins. <laughs> seconded only by Patter's story about passion fashion. And how it's all a Michael cut. Higgins. So it's all uh, good. Man. No, it's a. Uh, how are we doing on uh, time, guys? Should sure, we have a few? Did we ramble for long enough? Uh, 10 past 12, why does that take a few questions? Yeah. yeah, yeah 10 so past 12, sorry, 12 minutes yeah, past 10. Yeah. Chill out there, Emer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll also point out, Emer, that like, this isn't a live podcast on the Headstuff Podcast Network. So when you say 10 past 10, like, the people listening back to this next week have no fucking frame of reference. In the morning. In the morning, you all have no jazz. If you're listening to this, we stayed up all night making Michael D. Higgins jokes as to what the D stood for, but then mm. Brian, our editor, Cut it all out. Yeah. Because Brian he does that. Bastard. Yeah. No, so, he's not. I'm sorry. I don't question now, lads. We have a yeah, room yeah, over there. Questions. So don't be shy. Maybe about presidents. I don't know. Or about words. Irish Irish words or words, words from Ireland. Words from Ireland. Ireland even, or maybe that, yeah. someone's going to buy me flowers for Valentine's Day. Yeah. Somebody. Yeah. Hand, hands up if you will. Uh, Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it's, <laughs> oh, someday. <laughs> someday. 
The hands oh, up who's buying Collins flowers on Valentine's Day. Still fucking no one. All right, where's he getting all these flowers? Oh, there's a guy at the right. back here. Look at him. Oh, there. No, there. Oh, oh, you're buying Michael D. No, who? Flowers? What? I don't know. All right, Hi, what's your question? Hi. Should it be compulsory for a president of Ireland to be fluent Oscailge? Uh, we actually touched on this, and you obviously not a regular listener, because we did touch on this a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm joking. Um, I don't think so, personally. I think the criteria we have, Irish citizen, 35 years old, I think, because, as again, we've said this before, um, you know, I don't think it's a good idea to sort of, for various reasons, people can't speak Irish. So be it that perhaps they were born outside of Ireland and they didn't get the opportunity, but perhaps they have some sort of like socioeconomic, perhaps uh, um, reasons for not being able to speak it or they just didn't grow up speaking it I mean I don't want to say it's the way it's taught but like a lot of people come out of the school system not being able to speak Irish and didn't get opportunities like many of us have had to, to speak Irish so I don't think it shouldn't be a qualifier I do like it when my president speaks Irish but it's not a necessary factor um, I think and I think it would be unfair I think it would make it kind of an exclusive club of just Irish speakers and I don't think you can be Irish and represent Ireland without speaking the language um, so I do think uh that probably not. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I mean, it's important to me, but that's just me and my vote, and I would never presume to make it part of the, the grounds that one can run for president. I'd like... I'd much rather if we could put something in place where arseholes can't run for president. Yeah, yeah. that'd be better. Yeah. Yeah. That would be pretty sweet. And that's, that's language exclusionary. It doesn't matter what language you are. Yeah. Some people are just... Arseholes. Some Irish speakers are arseholes, is that? No, kidding. It's true. <laughs> Just ask my mother. <laughs> Hashtag not all Irish speakers. <laughs> no, so I, I, don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Kishtel. Kishtel? Yeah. You're making them run for it. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Work it. Go on. Get those steps Lads, in. Lads, you're having the time of your life down there. Yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. This is what it's always like. <laughs> it's been Was that your question? <laughs> no, no, no. I heard the other day that Leonie Reda is actually the first presidential candidate from a Gale Talked area, and I was just wondering how, what your thoughts on were and the significance of that. Wow. So that depends on, you know, what you consider a Gael area, because several of our presidents were born before Gael yeah. were created. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Several of them were born before the foundation of the state. And Douglas Hyde was one of the last native speakers of Roscommon Irish. And if you go to the RTE archives, you can actually listen to a recording of his inauguration speech. And he takes the oath in Irish, in his own dialect of Roscommon Irish, one of the very, very few recordings we have of that. So certainly, as far as the modern concept of the Gaeltacht being an area in which Irish is predominantly spoken, Leah is the first and, and tremendous uh, heritage within the Irish language. Her father was Sean O'Reilly, noted uh, composer. Uh, so yeah, I do think it's significant. Uh, and I think... We don't see an awful lot of people from Gaeltacht areas get involved in upper-level politics, simply because... The sad fact of it is, the Gaeltachti are the most deprived, poorest parts of the country. Uh, there's less investment per job in the Gaeltachti areas than any other part of the country. Uh, since the economic recession, they've had uh, investment in the Gaeltachti cut by 70%, and that's yet to be restored. So, like, when, when Cromwell said to Heller to Connacht, and he shunted all the Gaelic Irish out towards the West Coast, the last thing we really wanted the Free State to do was to say, well, fucking stay there and speak Irish. <laughs> So, yeah, it is significant, really, that we have someone from a Gaeltacht area, in this instance, West Cork, um, which is one of the overlooked Gaeltachts, and one of my favourite Gaeltachts yeah, is Balivornia and Coulé, uh, yeah, around there. And if you ever listen to Cork Coulé, amazing singers, and, and fantastic. And many of her family members are actually involved. Pather, her brother, is, is yeah. uh, the uh, uh, director of that choir. But she she's actually has a great heritage of actually 
standing up for language rights. She was an MEP. Um, I suppose she'll go back to being an MEP if she doesn't win the presidential election. And she has been protesting for what or had been, I don't know if it's still ongoing, um, the lack of Irish language um, uh, at no. Uh, 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 interpretation. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> interpreters, because her first language is Irish and she is entitled to an Irish language uh, feed of what's going on in, in, in Europe, but she doesn't get it because there isn't as many people doing the jobs um, and she has been protesting that. But, but I mean, you know, she's a... She's never spoken English in the plenary of the European Parliament. She's yeah. only spoken Irish and occasionally some French. Yeah. Uh, she's never spoken English in that. And people are pointing out, oh, I've got this video of her speaking... English is like, no, that's yeah, she not... she does speak the, English as well, can like, speak well English, done, like. like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, should a president have to speak English? Is that not just a little bit... It's the bit... way it's taught, English. It's all that Shakespeare, guys. It's, yeah. it's just not relevant. <laughs> sorry, any questions? All right, yeah. What was the question? <laughs> no, okay, well, sorry, sorry, yeah. Uh, who is your favourite Irish president of all time? Me? Oh, yeah, that wasn't for me, but that's, I'm going to answer it anyway. Mary Robinson, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, the only way I would not vote for the incumbent is if Mary decided I'm going, I'm going to go again. I, I'm going to throw my hat back in. I know she won't, but like... It's but time I, for term number two, bitches. <laughs> Guess who's back? Mary's back. <laughs> I love Te- her. Technically, Mary could run and run again. She got, not technically, bitch. She could run again. <laughs> Sorry. Um, who's, who's your favourite president? My favourite is... is Beckles. I just think, um, I guess when, during the um, the marriage equality referendum when she's speaking about her yeah. her son coming out, I think because you're an ex-president for the rest of your life, you can be a president, do a bad job, get kicked out, but you're an ex-president for the rest of your life, and I think she's just an, an amazing ex-president, and she's just used her profile to bring people who maybe um, bring bring people from conservative backgrounds onto on board on some big social issues, and it's really moved me, and it's been important to my family. Yeah. <laughs> My, I'm kind of tied between Mary McAleese and Mary Robinson. Marys are great, though. Yeah, go on the Marys. Um, I think Mary Robinson has been such an icon, and then kind of Mary McAleese has kind of come along, and she's done almost the same as Mary Robinson, being that kind of a, you know the political figurehead and doing everything right. And she's also kind of like cut her two middle fingers and just kind of, you know, at the same time, like all the institutions that you should be doing that to. And I'm like, go on. Yeah, yeah, Come she's on. great. Lately, she's, yeah, yeah. Marys are fat. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just speak up for Shanti O'Kellick here. I think okay, uh, yeah, somebody has to, somebody has to, and only, and only for one reason. Patter like, liked him before he was cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the hipster president, yeah. Shanti O'Kelly, um, is like the Irish, the Irish president. Irish people are yeah, not. Yeah, name five of his albums though, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Irish people are not supposed to accept. Um, awards from other states, particularly knighthoods and honours and things like that. Are you listening, Bob Geldof, you twat? Um, Sorry, sir twat. Um, But Shanti O'Kellick had his official portrait painted and it's hanging in Oris Neutron wearing all this stuff that he got off France, Légion d'Honneur and everything like that. Like the first citizen of the country giving a huge big fuck you to you're not supposed to get any honours from uh, foreign countries. He's not my favourite. Mary Robinson's my favourite president. She's class. Have you heard her podcast? Mothers of Invention. Holy shit. It's brilliant. She's going to save the world. Can she just bring her? I just want to meet her so badly. Just bring her along. If anyone knows her, like tell her about this podcast and get her to come on. Anyway, there was another question here from the channel. Hi. How are you doing, guys? Good. How are you? I'm all right. What's your name? John as well. John, nice to meet you. All right. Anyway, carry on with your question. Sorry. Um... 
Do you guys think it's important to have a president? What What's the point? What? Why Again, do this was just okay. uh, really boring. I got that one. <laughs> but I'm not so sure. What do you guys think? I, I think me. I think it's like having a fire extinguisher. You hope you don't need it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, also this again discussed Gotta a couple of weeks ago. But sure, it's fine if you're not a regular listener. That's okay. Um, I do think I think it's important. I think it's important because our governments change so often, and mm. generally speaking, people tend not to like the government. I mean, I'm not saying particularly. I mean, nobody likes any of the government. Uh, like. Ever, um, but the president is very well got, and he or he or she kind of inspires people. I think it's really important to have that figurehead that you can be like, okay, while I might not like whoever is Taoiseach now or the government that we have now, that person can represent us in a really presidential way, and I think that's really important for a country because otherwise you have an arsehole like Trump or I don't know somebody pandering to the press in another country. I'm not mentioning any names, but. I'm talking about, uh, you know, and it just looks bad. Whereas I think the president is a really good figurehead. And I do think it's important to have that opinion of, of I don't know, you guys. I say bring back the Gaelic monarchy and aristocracy. Yeah, yeah. Is Finn Dwyer still here? Because I'm going to get him to check my birthright, but I reckon I'm the heir to the throne of Leinster. <laughs> um, so I'm, um, yeah, no, I, I mean, look, president is fine. That's grand, but I want to be king of Leinster. <laughs> so Michael D will do for now. That's fine. That's great. Until but eventually, you out I will. That, yeah. As soon as I can raise uh, an an army of Cambro Norman Nor- mercenaries, because that's never backfired before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, listen. The president's great. It's it's fantastic. It's great. It's like it's having an, a head of state that isn't also the head of government, because yeah. mm. that's where you end up with something like the U.S. situation, where checks and balances fail. Yeah. Uh, here, the checks and balances almost can't fail because they're statutory implements yeah. and there's no power in the, uh, in, in the presidential It's function. like a spell check. You, it doesn't really do much, but it's important to have it. And so I do think it's important. I think the small constitutional role that the president has is actually really important, much like the Shannon as well. Small constitutional role doesn't really have a lot of power, but all important. And I think they all make up a really good system. I do think, criticizes I might, are political system. I do think we have a good working system. Very little chance of a dictator coming along, which is okay with me. Unless it's Pather, who's been king of Leinster. I mean, I haven't seen your policies yet, but I might get on board. Yeah, sure. Hi. I wouldn't trust him. Anyway. I, sorry, I, just a quick question. Do you, what do you think is causing the rise in popularity of Irish with the mother folklore, the Irish four, and then also the pop-up bail thugs and things like that? There's a little bit more of an embrace of... It's because we're all rights. <laughs> no, it's Next these question. two fuckers. Like, it's these two guys here. It's Pather and, and, and Derek, um, who, like, pop-up bail thugs at the, at the Irish four. It's, it's these guys alone. Um, so we always say, like, because myself and my, my friend Oscar O'Keefe founded... Your husband, Oscar. My, my bail husband, Oscar. Um, that's what my wife calls him, my bail <laughs> husband. Because um, I spend more time with him planning where our next piss up is Planning, drinking wines. Planning. Um, We always describe it as, um, you know, we just threw a match and the petrol was already there and the flame just took off. So I think we as a society had matured beyond this cultural cringe. I think we've gotten over this idea that there's a sort of an internalized embarrassment. It's like, I'm Irish and I don't speak Irish I should speak Irish, so therefore it's the structure's fault, or it's the system's fault, or it's an institution's fault, or it's, you know, it's anything other than uh, on me, my own personal choices, my own personal life, and things like that. And I think as a society, we've moved beyond that, and we move to a more mature acceptance of our own cultural heritage. And there's so many 
factors to that. Like it has a lot to do with the peace process in the north. It has a lot to do with taking Irish out of the hands of radical 32 county republicanism, physical force violence and things like that, taking it away from that and taking it away from the church, the school, the school book from fucking dev. Like just to put it in the hands of people <laughs> like, <laughs> listen, people hate him. People hate him. That's just it. They just hate him. Um, it's just to take it away from all your old ideas of Irish are pretty much no longer valid. And what we have now, particularly in Dublin, is we have more young urban Irish speakers. We have more Irish speakers in Dublin than anywhere else in Ireland, in the world. Uh, and it's important that we recognise this important part of our cultural heritage. And also, people really like podcasts and pints. <laughs> so we just give the people what they want. <laughs> And I do, Derek's not going to say this because he's modest, but I do think you, what you have done is uh, you've taken it outside of the classroom and brought it like fun stuff, like, a, you know, an Irish word here and there about like popular culture things that, or, or things that you never thought there was an Irish word for is so far removed from what everybody's used to. So it gives a new light to Irish. And I think Derek's done a really, like, I like how they said, how many people have you met who've said, God, I wish I spoke Irish. I just never learned it properly in school. The, there's the want there. There just wasn't the facilities. And I think these two guys have, have done a bit of a round of applause for the guy. Yeah. My favourite anecdote. Um, and I told this story sitting here back in March when myself and Guardian did the Blind Boy podcast. If anybody was at it, I think Finn was also doing that one as well. Um, is basically how I became involved with Mother Folklore. <laughs> so it was back in like, I don't know, was it like my fresher year of college, my second year in college, I don't know. And um, Derek was just kind of kicking off with the, at the Irish for the Twitter account. And, you know, I thought it was funny, so, you know, gave it a follow, and that was grand. And the next thing, um, obviously, I was studying uh, medieval Irish and Celtic studies. I think Dara could, like, follow me back, and that was grand. And um, after one particular night out in, in Maynooth, go on, if anybody's been to Mantra in Maynooth, you'll understand this story. Uh, Mantra has since closed down, and I'm very sad. Uh, <laughs> it closed down after that one night. Probably, probably after this incident. But I still can't believe I tell the story. Mantra, I should point out, was a pub in Maynooth that had a waterfall in the smoking section. Uh, Ireland's largest indoor waterfall, I will have you know. But anyway, yeah, I had... It's got a lot of competition, I'd say. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I had shifted a lad in Mantra. Thanks. Uh, except for some reason, he had like put his finger in my ear. Yeah, yeah, thanks, right? So, of course, me being the, the big mouth that I am, I decided to tweet this story. And Derek, with his quite large Twitter platform, uh, decided to quote this tweet um, with the um, with the, the phrase, didn't she nada the clues? Nada the clues. There was the, he'd make yeah. a nest in your ear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so the podcast was born. <laughs> yeah. Basically, since then, uh, myself and Derek had kind of yeah. been conversing back and forth over other topics that weren't shifting some young fella in Mantra. Um, and that and lad then, who stuck his finger in Emer's ear. He's here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>! <laughs> um, and then, yes, that's how that's how I got involved yeah, yeah, yeah. in in all of this. And it's kind of even though I was still studying. Irish and medieval Irish and Catholicism, whatever else, it's kind of, it got me more involved in the kind of the urbanization 
shall we say, there was air quotes there for those of you listening to the recorded version who weren't it's not here. A visual medium. Um, <laughs> the, um, kind of the urbanization of, of Irish. Yeah. So. Thanks, yeah, they Dara. do stuff. Yeah, yeah. And guys. now we keep telling Thanks, the story Dara. and embarrassing Buy himself. his books, Motherfuckler yeah. and Crack yeah. Baby. <laughs> sorry, guys, we've got a question. Yeah, sorry, sorry. sorry. Hi, it's hi. Teresa. Oh, hi. Yay. Yay. So this is a comment, it's not a question. Oh, great. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> it's a response to the last question. Um, I do feel social media has contributed to the rise of the use of Irish language um, because if it wasn't for social media, the Irish form or the folklore and pop up girl talked wouldn't have the recognition that it does. But I also feel that it has normalised the use of Irish for a lot of people who might not have Irish around them and it's allowed them to connect to other people. So in some way, we have to thank technology for yeah. the increase. And Theresa yeah. has actually been on our show and she's fascinating and does a lot with machine translation in Irish. Um, give her a follow on Twitter, listen to her podcast. She's really fascinating. She's got a great TED Talk as well. Thanks for coming. She's Theresa. doing absolutely <laughs> amazing, vital work and we will share the link to her TED Talk because you all need to see it. Fellow, class, fellow DCU alum. And look, to, at the end of the day, we're sitting here doing a live podcast because this guy started a Twitter account a couple yeah. of years ago. So, of course, we have to look at social media and the role that plays and, and how there's actually really a virtual Gaeltacht out there. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's a lot more open and welcoming and less intimidating than, you know, the actual Gaeltacht uh, yeah. or heading down there for the summer. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Uh, <laughs> Although you won't get the shift yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, less shifting on Twitter. Less. You might get the less shift shifting here. Less shifting on Twitter. All right. Yeah. yeah if anyone gets the shift here, tweet us. Let us Look, know. if you get the shift here, we'll see if we can get your ticket money back. <laughs> but you can't be shifting someone you already know. Yeah, sorry, I, I didn't agree that, to that. Uh, pop that hand that around count. there. That doesn't sorry, count. Sorry, right. questions back, have we? Uh, yeah, uh, I just wanted to know. I haven't listened to much of your podcast, so I don't know. Yeah. Invalid. Yeah. Bye. Oh, hold on, hold on. No, 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 guys, we welcome new listeners for Facebook. No, no, we don't. No, we don't. No, we have the perfect amount of listeners. I can't guarantee I won't be listening after these comments, to be honest. Uh, now, I wanted to know uh, what your opinion is on uh, English place names inside of Ireland. So, for example, uh, Cloyne Hill, I was up, up there recently, and it's called Victoria Hill. And that's named after Queen Victoria. Uh, it's not, have, is it? Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> I Do thought see, it was named after Victoria Smurfett. Uh, Victoria Beckham, no? Was that Victoria Beckham? Um, so I just wanted to know, like, so there's other names. I understand that, like, traditionally we have, like, king and queens in, in Ireland, but I wanted to know what you think about, like, places that are named after king and queen of England and Ireland, or uh, of England, like, the monarchical who are oppressors, and that hasn't been changed, maybe, or that just hasn't been dealt with. Um, I think what you're effectively... If you change those names, I don't personally have... I lived on Victoria Cross in Cork for years, um, and I had no issue with it. I do believe some people have issues with it, but I I, I think it's strange because um, you're denying part of the, the actual history. Like, Finn beforehand was saying a lot about how, like, you know, people present this narrative in history, and I think if you take away names and, and replace them... I mean, we were colonised for a long time. We were these, these were significant people in our history, so I, it doesn't offend me in any way. I, I mean, we have some lovely place names and, and the anglicised version of place names. I mean, if you're to, to criticise... I think Victoria or whatever, you know, place names that have that in it, why not revert everything back to the Irish language name, um, you know, rather than using the anglicised version? I don't know. I don't yeah. really care, to be honest. I, I don't mean that disrespectfully, but I, I just think that you might be sanitising a version of history that's that's not necessarily accurate. I don't know. Like, I think it's it's important. It's a part of history that deserves to be remembered. And I think well, sometimes renaming things kind of uh, intentionally can, can replace a history. I'm, I'm more offended by the way some of the new estates 
during the Celtic Tiger had completely meaningless names yeah. like Gladway Muse and, uh, and, <laughs> and Fern Close. And there's, there's never been a fern anywhere near it. <laughs> and I think and, that... And it was far from Muse as we were there. <laughs> Whereas, I think, I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I don't know who Westmoreland was or what he was up to. I'm sure it was no good. But, I mean, I think it's... Dastardly. We, 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 we probably... Shaling potatoes he was. Yeah. Like, you probably imagine as he's staying on the potatoes, like, oh, look at me, I'm Irish, oh, 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 oh. look at me eating potatoes. But, uh, but I think, but, but my point is that we can, if, like, if, by, if we were renamed Westmoreland Street, Devilera Street, uh, would we forget? No, I'm actually, sorry, I'm behind the nose. Okay. <laughs> I've if, changed my mind. Devilera Street it is. If, if we re- renamed Westmoreland Street, Michael Collins Street, would we be, for, would we be pretending that a bad part of our history that we should remind ourselves to never happen again yeah. never happened? Yeah. And yeah. what's the danger in that? I mean, I would then go further back in time with my kind of place name study. Um, shall we say, um, if, if you want, if you are so inclined, the kind of the lore of place names in medieval Ireland is called Din Hanukkah. Um, it's spelled nothing like it's pronounced. Uh, it's <laughs> D-I-N-D-S-H-G-N-C-H-A-S. I'll, I'll tweet it afterwards. Um, but it was always, there was um, a place was named and then a story was kind of almost built around this name kind of a thing. So while you might see a place name and it might make any real, like if you're looking at the Irish version of a place name rather, it might make any real sense. But next thing, you know, Padder will come along and he'll say, oh, but it was named because of so-and-so who was a son of so-and-so who lived here and did this and this is how the name came about kind of a thing. So there's a lot of um, literary material surviving from a sort of a medieval Irish period that just deals specifically with Irish Irish, Irish place names. Yeah. If you if I, you want think, to look think, at uh, that, if not, it's I good. think you have to look at history in a, in its broadest, biggest context. We've been naming and renaming places for thousands of years. The the early Christians were whores for it. <laughs> <laughs> they were awful. Anywhere with a kill in it was a church. And anywhere with a monaster, Monaster Boyce, Monaster Evan, all those, they had a monaster or an abbey there. They weren't there before Christianity got here, before that Welsh prick St. Patrick got here. <laughs> Um, the snakes were never here, right? So you can't even take credit for that. Oh, there's snakes so, here, right? I think, <laughs> well, there were snakes. I think, I think what you have to do is you can't just look and say, this is the point before which names were good and after which names were bad. Now, we do have to do certain things to redress some of our post-colonial history. We took back Dune Lyra. It used to be Kingstown. Um, imagine, imagine if you were still sitting here and you're from Queen's County. No way, right? No way, man. Leisha boo. You know, so we do have, to, we have to look I mean. it in the broad context, but like at the end of the day, like we've been naming and renaming shit for so long. And if the Brits yeah. built the road, the Brits named the road. Yeah, and they gave us some grand buildings as well. I mean, do you want to demolish, I don't know, the doll? Well, maybe, I don't know. But our <laughs> Neutron's lovely building, like Mansion House, lovely building. The Brits, how many nice buildings we have? The Brits we, did those, like. <laughs> we, we did rename ours Neutron because it was the well, yeah. Viceregal Lodge. Yeah, but then uh, we put a Neutron in it, so we're like, yeah. that'd be the Aris then. That'd be the Aris, so. <laughs> <laughs> so. Any other questions, guys? Oh, we've loads Ooh, now. Oh, class. Oh, yeah. I am. I can't see. Bear in mind, lads, we all actually have the mic. Does somebody have the mic? Yeah. 
Hang on, this gal here. Will my mic just start? No, 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 no I have it. Emer, you're wonky. I. Hi, um, I have um, just a question going back to the topic of presidents. Okay. Yeah. Why okay. is the Irish word for president so similar to the Irish word for ice cream? Oh, I love this. This oh. is my favorite thing Top ever. Top oh, I love this. This is one Best of my favorite Irish ever. words. Yeah. So, Uchter is cream. Cream rises to the top. Fantastic. So, top citizen. Oh, yeah, top top fella. Um, Ocht is like zenith, like the highest point. So that's where, why. It, so Ochter is like the highest point. Isn't that like? Isn't Irish fucking lovely, lads? Like, how <laughs> nice is that? Favorite. And the the Supreme Court is on Court Ulsterrecht, which is the highest court. Fucking love that shit. Like, I'm so glad you asked that. <laughs> so the president is the cream dude. <laughs> Yes, indeed. <laughs> he is, though. Little yes. creamy head. The cream of the crop. <laughs> Pretty much. Sorry, we questions. Okay. Also, there, there's a gal here. I think she's going to actually hop out of her seat. My mic won't stretch that far. And now we really want oh, to know more questions. Oh, I know. We took a selfie. And it didn't work out. <laughs> okay, so I know there's individual opinions on this topic. <gasps> but is there an official motherfucker stance on the abomination that is Coddle? <laughs> no, 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 actually, no, 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 we were literally no, saying, no, you're not, you're not, no, 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 I have banned Darrock no, from mentioning the C word, get out, <laughs> I have banned him from mentioning the C word, like, all of our group chats today are like, don't you fucking dare mention that, don't bring it up, I'll go, there are many people in this room who don't listen to the motherfucker podcast, who don't have a fucking clue what's going on, just don't fucking boil sausages, no, stop engaging in the conversation, don't let them have it, no, there isn't an official line we are we are pleading the fifth we are saying no comment on that i swear if either of you fucking comment guys out of here. do we have to do next we have to, question do we have next to wrap this question. up for how are we fixed for time yeah. just give us one more because lads i yeah. need to get back to north Kildare yeah. tonight all right one more time i'm not paying the taxi fare this will be last one i think okay talk down on son hello hello hi, hi. what's hi. your name uh, orla orla have you been hello. having fun yeah. Class. All right. Okay. What's your question? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I laughed. She was just like, no. <laughs> uh, first question is just, it, are you ever going to release another Halloween episode? Because that one episode that you do, <laughs> I, like, I probably listened to it about five times. It was you so who listened. Good. No. <laughs> yeah. It's just me. We had, we had six downloads. I was one of them. <laughs> we were wondering who's listening to the Halloween episode in June. <laughs> and you. <laughs> um, Jesus, I thought we did better episodes than that. It must have been gas. But yes, we, we are going to do another Halloween yeah, episode. We yes, are, we yes. are, we are. And it will be spooky. <laughs> yeah, we did a lot of that shit in the episode for anyone who hasn't listened to it. Sorry, your second question then. Also, on the subject of um, Padder wanting to be the next king of Leinster. Yeah. My friend is too embarrassed to say, but she's actually the heir to the throne of the king of Leinster. Oh! Oh! <laughs> oh! oh! oh shit! We're probably related. What? Are you one of the Kavanaugh McMurras? McMurra Kavanaugh's? Yeah. You two are... <laughs> Jesus! That's true, Laura! We got Game of Fucking Thrones going on in here! Whoa! Oh my god, this is too much! Oh, lads! Oh, you're so fucking small! <laughs> Holy shit, I don't think the three heirs to the throne of Leinster should be in the same room at the Nobody same time. A, it's like the people a... who have the secret ingredient to Coca-Cola. We, we, I think we have to wrap this up. I think yeah, one like of us is going to have to leave. We need to leave before something goes on okay. fire. <laughs> so, okay, okay. On, on that regal note, Jesus Christ. Okay, <laughs> thank wow. you all for coming along tonight. Thank you to Headstuff for the, for the Dublin Podcast Festival. Thank you to Aiken Promotions. Thank you to Conor Ashukra. And thank you to you all. And, and before we go, one more time for the amazing Finn Dwyer and the Irish History Podcast.
So there's... There's nothing more to say, but it's a... Slant from me. It's a slant from me. A slant from me. It's a slant from me. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.